Thank you, Christopher. I asked Christopher, he'd sing that song. I love that song. I grew up with that. Some of you might have. Um, but I thought of that song because of our topic today and the words, the time to rejoice, a time to weep. At the end of last year, I went and did a funeral for a good friend of mine. He was the husband of my best friend from high school. And his religion was the seasons of the year. He was a farmer and a fisherman, and he raised cattle, and he moved by those seasons gracefully, which does not mean that he liked all the seasons. He lived in Virginia where it gets bitter cold, and in the summer gets sticky hot. And his work was hard work. And yet he met life as it is. We could all learn from that. Meeting life as it is. And during this funeral, because he didn't have a church and because the family was not from church, I pulled this verse from Ecclesiastes from the Bible. And read this in the service. A time for every season. And while I was doing the service, and it was quite challenging because this is a family I love so much. I really love this man. I'm standing up at the podium. And the people, especially the people in the very front, were weeping. They were wailing. And they would fall from wailing into laughter and back again. Do you know that experience? It's something I've experienced a lot doing services and sitting in hospital waiting rooms. That blending of feelings, that joy and that deep sorrow. This morning we're talking about balancing grief and joy. Under this theme for this month of self-care. And while I was opening to this service, I realized that we don't so much balance grief and joy as much as we can learn how to dance with the mixture in the messiness of emotions. Have you ever noticed that emotions can be messy? I found this quote just the other day, let me see if I can find her. And um, this is from Elizabeth Gilbert, the author. Grief is a force of energy that cannot be controlled or predicted. It comes and goes on its own schedule. Grief does not obey your plans or your wishes. Grief will do whatever it wants to wants to you and whenever it wants to. In that regard, grief has a lot in common with love. Isn't this the nature of our feelings? They just seem to have their way with us. They give rise, they dissipate. And so this morning I want to talk more about learning to dance with, to open to those feelings so that we can notice and have those feelings in all their richness and fullness, but not have them have us. 
Because the challenge comes with feelings when we grasp onto the story of what's going on and we hold on fears and we make that feeling the truth of us. I heard a teacher recently say, your feelings are real. They're just not the truth. And we come to the center to listen to and to find and reconnect to truth. And so it's good to come back and look at what that truth is. And we'll talk about that and move into that. But I want to talk about this feeling because even in our affirmation, excuse me, I did not coordinate with the affirmation. I'm not here to support you getting out of grief so that you feel more joy. Because my understanding is that grief isn't the problem. It's just one of the things that we experience in our lives. Is that not true? In fact, we may feel it and have it going on more than we even recognize when we stop and allow and notice what's happening in us. Because we grieve a lot. Not just the loss of a dear one, but maybe the loss of a season. You know, right now we're in that time of graduation. And so parents are celebrating with their kids. They also may be grieving their children leaving home. We may, as young people, we may have experienced that ourselves. We're excited about finishing school, but oh my gosh, what is next? Our feelings are so rich and interwoven. Every day, every year, we're letting go and opening to the unknown. We can inadvertently think that we're here in this teaching to just get to the good. I hear that line, God is good, God is always good, God is only good. And that's true. The infinite is only that goodness and that wholeness of life. But that doesn't mean that we're having a good time in our human experience. That doesn't mean we don't go through hard seasons and have hard things set before us. That's the hard news of our teaching. But there's a good news too. I was working recently with a widow who had come to see me because she was in so much pain. She didn't know how she was going to go on. And she spent an hour talking to me and her, her story would jump back to the past and how much she had lost and she couldn't stand the pain of the loss of her husband and then jump into the future and not knowing how she was going to go on without him. And after an hour of telling the story and talking and talking and me supporting her being present with herself and opening. After all those tears. At the very end she said. Oh I'm realizing that our last two years while he was dying. Were actually our richest. It's when we really touched in and felt each other and felt our love. And that point, this woman dropped 
into her present moment and no longer was telling the story of what was or, or jumping into the future of what will be and how she can handle it. The grief didn't go away. But it was met by the love in her heart. And in that moment, I could feel that space and that peace. Just being with what is. Because one of the things I know about feelings is they don't kill us. We may not like them. But they're a natural part of who we are. Ernest Holmes, our founder, wasn't teaching us how to get over being human. In fact, he talked about the messiness of being human. And then directed us to drop underneath. Directed us to align with something more. Not to get rid of, not to perfect our humanity. But learning how to be with and embrace and love our humanity even more. So we're not here to find out how to not grieve so we can just be in joy, but how to be and embrace ourselves and feel held even in the midst of our grief, in our fears, in our anger, in our hurts. Because the truth is, all of that's going on, and it may be going on even more and faster and bigger than you can even be aware of. Because our nature is to try to get away from that. To push it away, to avoid it, and to grasp onto the good. Anybody? And that's one of the things that we get caught in this teaching. I just want to affirm the good, but I don't want to be here where I am. All the great metaphysicians talk about starting right here where we are. We can't jump over that. And when we try, it can get really messy. And so to know that right where we are, we're held by something bigger than the feelings that are going on. And if we can just be with them, they will give rise. They will dissipate as big as they are. This is what my friends knew how to do. I told this story at the funeral. I remember calling my friend. I was 25 years old and he was younger. He was five years younger than me. So he's just a young boy. And I was just getting to know him. I'd known him actually since he was 17. But he was new to me. And I'm calling my best friend. And I'm in San Francisco. And I'm all by myself. And I'm sitting on my bed. It's Saturday morning. And I'm feeling depressed. And so I give her a call and she isn't there. And Danny answers the phone and he said, what are you doing, Ruthie? And for some unbeknownst reason, I thought to just tell him, I said, I'm sitting here in my bed and I'm just feeling depressed. And he goes, what are you doing that for? <laughs> no, I don't know if it flung me out of the grief I was in. But it certainly made me laugh. It certainly brought me present to something more than the feeling I had been dwelling upon. I had become that feeling. 
I was naming and identifying as that's what I was. I was stuck in that. And so as we learn to be with and accept that we have feelings, as Edward says in our benediction, just the way that it is and just the way that it is not, if we can be with ourselves where we are, be with the emotion that's at hand, then it releases us from that stuckness. Because life is very fluid, like the seasons, like the weather, it moves. If you've ever noticed, things don't divide up and stay fixed in the way you want them. They're changing all the time. Our human brains are designed to see separation. And we want to categorize and we want to separate. Here's the good, here's the bad, don't we? I want to get away from this, I want to get to this. But life doesn't work that way. Life is a mixture of all of it. All of us. And that's sometimes hard to be with and dance with. It's like I want to be one with all the people I want to be one with, but I don't want to be one with those people. God's good over here, but maybe not so much over here. And the thing about oneness, the thing about an infinite presence is it's not broken up and it's not ever missing. It's equally available and equally present in our grief as it is in our joy. Now, there is something that we can do. We can pay attention to balance in the outside. When I got to Virginia, my friend, my a high school friend whose husband had just died. She was my great adventure queen. We were quite a pair growing up because I was always inward and she was always and only outward. And so she took me out on adventures and she was about feeling good and being perky and staying away from the messy. And I wanted to dwell with everything. I wanted to contemplate everything. And so when my friend came around the corner, I was sitting in her oldest daughter's backyard. And this is the first time I was going to see her since her husband had died. And she walks around the corner and I see her putting on that happy smile. Have you ever done that? You know people that do that. Putting it on. And she reached out her arms, Ruthie. And I walked up to her and I said, that's not why I'm here. And she stopped for just a moment. And the tears started coming. Now she's not a weeper and wailer. She's not going to grieve like other people. Some people take to grief. But she stopped and she allowed the feelings to be there. She got present with me and with herself. And it was very rich. It was very sweet. In fact, there was a sense of closeness with her that I'd hardly ever felt because I'd never felt and shared the hard stuff with her like that. And all the times we were growing up, all the years, I'd only seen her cry twice. 
So how do I dance with this mixture of feelings? Can I recognize it that it's not wrong? That we are designed to be human. We're designed to have feelings. They're not wrong or bad. So my friend, it's good maybe for her to find some balance and take moments. To allow herself to feel. In the midst or in between her adventures. I check in with her. And our checking in is a little different than it used to be. There are other people who get stuck in the grief. And it's good for them to notice. Like the widow who came back to herself and recognized she's okay. These feelings were big. Like my friend Danny brought to me when he asked me, well, why are you being depressed? To him, that was a silly thing to do on a Saturday morning. But to honor where we are so that we can move, so that we can find our way. So if we're not here just to get to the knife at the center, what is it that we're here for? To stop and notice might be a closer approach. To just take time to notice. We did a class when I was in ministerial school called Balance and Vitality. And one of the things they taught was, you know, you're going to be putting yourself into ministry and it's going to call upon you at all times. So you want to make sure you're getting time to yourself. It's like if you're working a really busy week, make sure you get some time off and you get a vacation. And that balancing we like to do in our outer world. But what I want to suggest and invite you to is that inner balancing, that inner connecting. That more than getting some pleasure and joy and happiness to balance out the hard stuff or the the work. To take that invitation inward that Ernest Holmes called us to. To stop and listen and connect with ourselves and find that center. That was one of his definitions of descriptions of what we called prayer or treatment. Was that talking ourselves back to our center. Because we get caught by the outer. We're not here really to work just the outer. We're here to listen from that inner. Which means we have to stop. And connect. To allow that higher intelligence. To move us. To direct us. In what's ours to know and to do. I had. A challenge. Recently. And I was sort of ignoring. What was going on for me. Does anybody ever do that? Do you ever. Act inappropriately and then wish you hadn't. It's like, I'm not supposed to do that because I'm a minister. Being a minister is really natural for me, extending myself. It's always been natural for me to be there for other people, to listen for, to other people, to care for other people. So that's not a hardship. But this experience I had recently 
where I knew something was going on. I had spent time with a friend and she was having a hard time again. And I said, I'll talk to you. I'll, we, can, we can talk about this. And so I gave her some time. That wasn't a problem for me. And she seemed to be walking with me in this. And then the next day and when I checked in with her, she was back in her place, angry. I'm just angry at these people. And I don't know that I noticed. There was a little... Mm, this disappointment, just a little frustration. But it grew as the week went on. Somebody notice those feelings grow when we don't attend to them. And I got to the point where it was sort of like this growling inside me. And I had to really explore this, but I didn't want to. What I did was I sent her a message. It wasn't mean. But I just shared what I was feeling. And she got upset. She's just how she is. And that's true. And I know that. But when she got upset with me, then I had to pay attention. Because that wasn't okay for me. And so I had to look at what am I feeling here? What's going on for me? What is this about for me? Because what I know is we all have our stories, don't we? Everybody have a story. The way we see ourselves, the way we see the world, the way we see other people. And what I've learned is that we all put our stories down as we know how. We all break through as we know how. So it wasn't her fault. There was nothing she had done wrong. She wasn't bad. But I was frustrated. And I, when I looked, I understood and I, I discovered this part of me that likes to fix things. Have you ever noticed? Do you have that part? You want things to be different. So in ministry, I can very successfully support people. I know I'm not fixing people. But with this friend, I wanted her to take to the teaching. I didn't want her to go back to the story. And I remembered as a child how I would try to fix my siblings because someone in my family was always unhappy. Someone was always yelling. Someone was always crying. And it was hard for me to be with. And what I've learned is I can't fix the world. Have you noticed that? Some of you that are out and doing big work in the world, which we are encouraging now. I love that in the center. We talk about what we can do in our world. But we can't fix it. We can do what we can do, but we can't fix it. We aren't here to make things different. Make people different. We're not here to make ourselves different. So when I stop to just feel my feelings, I recognize these are just my feelings. I got triggered by this woman and her going back to her anger. And what I recognized is that I wasn't connecting in to myself and following that guidance. That's what this teaching's about. 
that connecting in, starting, listening for that higher voice. Not to get to the pleasant, but to listen to that source, that place where we are not broken. Do you know that place? It's right here, right now. At the very center of our being. Reverend Russ last week, talking about the, in the beginning of self-care, talked about the authentic self. We all have a unique, authentic self. But underneath that, truly, there is that one authentic self. And that is what I think he was pointing to. We can call it God, the divine spirit. The presence of life, being, consciousness. It's one. And when I connect there, then I am guided to express what is appropriately mine to express. And to put down and learn to rest in those things I cannot change. Some of you in the 12-step program may know the acronym HALT. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? I love that. That noticing those times when we are more vulnerable to getting carried away with ourselves, with our feelings, with our behaviors. I forgot to stop and listen even though I felt that little feeling inside. I went outside with it and, and forgot to start within. We want to start with that inner knowing. We want to connect with that that's bigger than us. Because when we're looking at self-care in the context of our teaching... We're not talking about just behaviors, eating good, exercising. Those are good things. They may follow from your consciousness of love. We're not talking about pampering. It's a good thing sometimes. We're not talking about just taking time and going on vacation or retreat. It's a good thing. We're talking about centering in to that that's unshaken and unshakable and allowing it to inform us. Because the true self-care is that greater self that is care, that is divine love. And it's right here, right now. Just stop and notice. It's right here. It doesn't think of us and see us as broken. No matter where we are or where we aren't. And so I invite you to stop and notice in your day. To stop and listen in your day. To stop and make time in your day to see if you can feel that greater expression, that love, that light that speaks the words of love through us. 
So that self-care becomes being with myself, feeling that love, allowing it to feed me and allowing it to spill out to all the selves I share my life with. So in that awareness, I simply invite you into this that we call spiritual mind treatment, prayer, spiritual alignment. As we simply open in this very moment. We know that that presence divine is right here. Never missing, never lacking. It is one. One life, one intelligence, one consciousness. It is that that indwells and animates all that there is, unfolds through all that there is in the highs and the lows. In every season, in every thought, in every feeling, it is right here. So we take time, we align, we open to that one. It is what I am, where I am right now. There's nothing I can do or ever seemingly fail to do that can separate me from this one. So I rest in this sweet awareness. Knowing it is the truth of each and every one of us. In our unique expressions, there is this one authentic self. Caring, loving, being that very nature of love. It opens us, it guides and directs us. It supports and sustains us. It is our very life. And so I know and accept this right now as that greater opening, that greater listening. That that guides us every moment right here. And all that is ours to feel, to say, to do. It calls us back home again and again in our seeming forgetting, stumbling. It is never apart from us. We are never less than. It holds us in our human messiness for it has created us in these human expressions. It is with us now. And so I celebrate this knowing. I'm so grateful to know this truth. I am so grateful for this call home in conscious awareness.
And so I stop and give thanks for this knowing, for this presence divine, for this presence of love right here. Living in the midst of us, living all around us. And I let go. I let this be. And so it is.